Hello. Hello. Welcome to Egg Backwards with Alex. And Grace. Wow. Exciting. <laughs> so this is week one and we made chicken pot pie. Spicy Szechuan style green beans. And for dessert, we had a toffee mocha dirt cup kit. Yes, and hopefully you all enjoyed that very much. <laughs> um, we've had a lot of technical difficulties with the audio portions just because of like... Um, Never buy cheap SD cards. Exactly. That's what I've learned. Exactly. <laughs> we are called Egg Backwards. Basically, this project... We wanted to talk about accessibility and like cooking um, and the way that we wanted to show that was through making food that we're really comfortable with um, and like grew up eating, but also like new recipes that we would learn and like create and then share with people to show that like you can pretty much learn how to make anything from your home kitchen um, and also give you guys like tips and tricks and like recipes if you want them along the way um, eventually to be able to give more people that are at home because of the pandemic a way to like learn about food and experience new food from their house. Yeah, we wanted to bring the conversation that people would normally have with their server or with a chef in a restaurant into the dining experience of like takeout food, essentially, um, in a way that was like fun, conversational, because we miss like having these conversations with people in restaurants when we would go out to eat. We're structuring Egg Backwards as a weekly meal because we're interested in foods that go together and flavors and exploring different techniques and styles and like combining them and just experimenting in a way that we both do separately but are like working on doing together in like a more formal way. And that especially includes like talking about context and doing research and thinking about history and like preparation in the food. And we thought that doing an audio segment would be a really good way to bring that information to you so that you can have it if you aren't able to eat the food or if you do eat the food and like want a little bit more context about it. So all of the audio clips in here are sometimes filled when we're cooking or when we're at the store or just talking in general. And then those are going to be layered with more structured audio of us talking about all of the processes. And this is definitely our first time learning how to do something like this yes. and speak in a way that's easy to understand and cohesive. Um, so we're working on it. The first one might be rough. It will get better for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you have questions or like confused about how we're explaining something like definitely definitely reach out to us we will talk to you about cooking we'll send you recipes if you need recipes and we have one or we'll just like talk about processes another thing that's really important to us is talking about uh, food and memory and how they relate we spend a lot of time sharing these memories and we often come back to 
talking about how our parents cook and how that's influenced how we learn to cook. Um, I think both of our parents really value like fresh and good ingredients and vegetables. Um, and I think we both share that, but that's kind of where the similarities end. So my, this is Grace now. <laughs> um, my mom is from Korea and lived there until she was about 26. Um, and my dad grew up in Philly and his grandparents are mostly Russian. And then I think one of them is from Spain. I'm like not exactly sure. And then my parents are both Asian. My mom is from Hong Kong and my dad is from India. But it's really interesting because my parents don't really cook food from either of those cultures. And that's like the main difference between how our parents cook. Yeah, because my mom mostly cooks um, Korean food. And like, I grew up eating a lot of Korean food. Um, but she also cooks food from like all different kinds of cultures. Um, uh, she cooks like Italian food, like some like pretty basic like standard American foods. Um, and like she was like, she honestly like really loves a barbecue, which is, really? which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We have a pretty big grill outside on our deck and we would like make burgers and stuff on it. Yeah. I like don't know how to grill. I love grilling. <laughs> I will teach you okay. when it's not so shit outside. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that's interesting is. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like both of our families also like really have the like Asian immigrant mentality of mm -hmm. like being overly frugal. <laughs> yeah, and saving absolutely everything. Saving everything, using every part of something. Yeah. Which I think, like, for me, that's why I am I think about cooking the way I do, where I'm like, I want to be able to cook with whatever I have and, like, make something interesting from what I have, and I, like, think about all those details. Um, it's interesting because... For my mom, that became cutting down on everything, and every meal they eat is, like, just plain rice, plain lentils, and, like, a stir-fry with almost no spices. Um, I'm sure at one point that was because they, like, didn't want to spend the money on spices, but now it's just, like, how they eat. Where for me, I was like, I have all of these ingredients at my disposal. When I learned how to cook, I was like, why would I not try literally everything? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think something I was talking about before was how my mom has, like, certain habits with, like, what she eats and, like, how she eats things. And it's interesting because I grew up thinking that a lot of those habits or certain things that she would make was, like, Korean and then would, like go to Korea and see how my aunts would cook and it would be so different and I was like oh when did she pick that up like did she start like for instance she uses a lot less salt than like any of my aunts uh cook with I mean that was something I noticed from a really early age because like I just thought certain Korean foods like taste a certain way and then when I was old enough to like go to restaurants with them like Korean restaurants or like go when I was in Fayetteville eating like my aunt's food because um, my aunts live pretty close to where I grew up. I have 
two aunts that live in Fayetteville about two hours away by car from where I grew up and then um my I had two aunts now one that live in Korea um but yeah when I was eating other people's Korean food I was like why does this taste so much better because <laughs> it actually has salt oh my god yeah that's so interesting also because I think I really learned to enjoy food from the restaurants that my parents would take me to because my mom and my dad but like my mom controlled where we went (laughs) (laughs) my mom loves to eat good food and like we would go to really good like Chinese restaurants she took me to like a really special Japanese restaurant that was doing like really interesting fermentation once like that's really cool she got really into trying like the best of everything at one point and like she'll like enjoy going to like a one michelin star restaurant to like see what it's about like we went to elsco when they were here it's delicious um but then like doesn't do that at home like cooking at home is like just functional like it doesn't need to taste good and so i think that was like also when i moved out i was like oh i can make food or like try to make food that tastes like the food that I'm eating elsewhere and like Mm -hmm. really enjoying. Yeah. And that's part of why we wanted to start Egg Backwards was because we wanted to like talk about how you can make food that's like exciting and fun and like really like food that you'll really enjoy like at home. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, like, the way that, like, cooking is so much of, like, a method and a recipe doesn't matter Mm -hmm. that much Mm -hmm. if you, like, kind of understand what a process is like. And I hope that that really comes through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hello, Egg Backwards listeners. Right before we jump into the actual audio, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. A lot of these recordings are very spontaneous and we definitely need to work on telling a full story and making sure that there's enough context for someone listening to know what's going on. But for now, I'm just going to be popping in here and there. Wait, are you recording right now? Yeah. Okay, perfect. I've been recording this whole time. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. We have all of your <laughs> conversation about <crap. laughs> Do not put that in there. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, like, what your introduction to pot pie or chicken pot pie was, if you're aware of it. Oh, yes, I am. (laughs) So, like, my introduction was, like, the Annie's, like, frozen food, like, chicken pot pies. They have a chicken pot pie. They have, like, a vegetable pot pie and a chicken pot pie. I'm pretty sure they have a chicken one. I remember very distinctly that, like, my mom would keep specific, like, healthy, you know, quote-unquote, like, healthy, like, frozen foods in the freezer for when she was working so that, like, we could warm up, like, some type of, like, healthy burrito in the microwave and, like, have dinner. And that was one of them, but it was, like, a very special treat. And I had never had it homemade before, and so that's why I started to make it homemade was because I was, like, I want to see what it tastes like when it's homemade. Yeah, and then I also really like the chicken pot pie at Miller's Pub, which is like across the street from SAIC. I've never eaten there. It's really fun. The atmosphere, <laughs> the atmosphere is really fun in there. It looks kind of like it would be some like kind of random like shitty place to eat, but like I mean the food isn't like fantastic, but it's just like a really fun place to go. Is it British pub vibes or just like 
It's very American. Okay. Very American, but like old American, not like not like cheesy new American, like yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, I like started making it from this one Bon Appetit recipe that is like crazy traditional. Like they they have you like cook the vegetables. Like there are some vegetables that you cook. You use like um, dried chanterelles. Um, yeah, this this recipe is insane. Like you use dried chanterelles and then you like use the like this like water that you like you know rehydrated them with in the, in the stock, stock, and it's really cool. But I. I'm not going to buy dried chanterelles. Like, they're so fucking expensive. And then, like, also, they make a whole chicken, like, for this chicken pot pie. Can you imagine how delicious this chicken pot pie is? (laughs) It's probably so fucking good. I'm just like, chicken breast, done. Yeah, I cannot imagine. Like, I studied this chicken pot pie recipe, and then I simplified it to, like, my own thing. But, like, I cannot imagine doing this, like, word for word the way the recipe is. I'm gonna send it to you. You're gonna be like, what the fuck? It is really intense. They have so many, like, there's so many things where it's, like, you save this one part of, like, the chicken to be able to do this with it, and, like, you make your own stock from the chicken that you, like, roast to be able to use in the like roux it's a crazy recipe should I talk about how I make it yeah sure okay so I saute everything separately most of the time um just because like I chop up like so many vegetables and like the chicken and everything that it's like impossible like saute everything together sometimes I do it in batches where I'm like I chop up the carrots and like the onions and like normally it has potatoes in it. I didn't put potatoes in this one because I didn't have any at the time. Um, But I like put things that like cook at similar temperatures and like I guess amounts of time together Um, sometimes but most of the time I'll like cook everything separately on the same pan with just like a little bit of salt and pepper for seasoning. Um, and then I do like after like the veggies, I'll do chicken and the chicken I cook until I know it's like a little bit raw inside probably, but like it's cooked on the outside. Like the outside has been browned a little bit. And then I put everything together in the pan. Um, well first I make the, uh, bechamel. Okay. Hello. This is my first official Alex and editing clip. (laughs) So here we keep saying bechamel and it's not technically a bechamel, it's a roux which we added chicken stock to. There is a technical like French word for what that is, I don't know what it is, it doesn't matter. Um, A bechamel would be a roux with milk and cheese added and there is not any milk or cheese in this recipe. And if you don't know what a roux is, that's coming but yeah every time we say bechamel just know that we mean roux so then i make like the bechamel and like you know put the butter and then the flour and then like whisk in like a bunch of um stock like chicken stock Mm -hmm. and then i make kind of like you know the gravy bechamel whatever sauce and then i 
Do you put cream or milk in it? No. Really? So I guess it's not really bechamel, right? I mean, I don't know what that's called. It's like a made, roux. It's a roux yeah, stock. roux yeah. stock. Yeah. So it's a roux stock, and then I like after the roux is like mostly made, I put. Oh, I also put bay leaves in it. Mm. So I put like a few bay leaves, some, and I try to use fresh herbs if I can, um, sage, uh, rosemary, thyme. And then, like, maybe I'll be using star anise. And then I'll, like, let it sit there for, like, a little bit until, like, it's fragrant and I start to smell it. And then I'll take everything out and, like, I'll either, like, sieve it or, like, you know, put it through a strainer. Or I, like, just take, like, a slotted spoon and, like, take out as much as possible. It's okay if, like, some rosemary is left over and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. And then I'll, like, throw that stuff away and I'll dump all of, like, the veggies that I, like, stir-fried or, like, pan, whatever, pan-fried and, like, the chicken and put it all together and, like, mix it together and that that's my filling. And then the... Um, pastry dough is mostly just like a little bit of salt and sugar i put apple cider vinegar in my pastry and like you know cold water butter and flour mm -hmm. and then that's it it's like really simple and then sometimes if i have dried sage i'll put a little bit of dried sage like i'll like crumble it up with my fingers and just like add it in and i think it's really nice it tastes really good Wow. That's yeah. a lot simpler than I thought it would be. Like, yeah. Like, just cook everything plain and then the sauces. Yeah. Seasoned. Yeah. And I always make sure to use, like, peppercorns that I've ground up freshly because the, like, freshly ground pepper makes a huge difference to the taste. Like, it really, really makes it taste, like, so much better. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So that's how I make it. And like, I normally let my pastry rest for a really long time. I can't believe there's no cream in it. Yeah, there's no cream. It's so creamy. It's so creamy. And it's just from the butter, from the, from the roux. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't realize that it's definitely not a bechamel. It's definitely yeah. a roux. Yeah. Yeah. I know if, it's crazy. If you're listening and you don't know what a roux is, <laughs> it's when you cook flour in some kind of fat mm -hmm. so typically that would be and you want to do like about the same quantity of each but like it really doesn't matter I almost never measure when I make it yeah really. and like yeah like most of the time when I do it I'll use like the same amount of butter but like you can tell by the consistency like you want it to be a certain type of consistency like you want it to be bubbling and like browned and thick but not like chunky floury so like you kind of just can keep adding in flour until it's like about the right consistency it doesn't need to be like specific amount yeah yeah and they're like very traditional roux with <laughs> butter and flour but you can also do any oil like cornstarch if yeah. you need it to be mm -hmm. gluten-free true um but yeah you just like cook it together again like until it has a good bubbly consistency and mm -hmm. isn't like grainy yeah and it smells like nutty and like it's cooked. so delicious yeah. it's so good and then it'll thicken anything so if mm -hmm. you like need to make a gravy or a soup 
Yeah. And it's so easy to do. And I've seen people, like, make cheese sauces, like, cases with it, too, yeah. and it looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's your basic, like, mac and cheese base, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you, like, whisk in any kind of liquid, so, like, mm-hmm. in this case, chicken stock, but, like, yeah. milk. When you make milk bechamel, do you heat up your milk first? No. Okay. I mean, I've only made it, like, once, mm-hmm. but the time that I did it, no, I don't think I did. One time- so I think I, I let it sitting. I left it sit it out like for room, a little bit, yeah. so it was almost room temperature. Okay. It was probably cold. It was probably still cold. <laughs> like, I don't really, like, plan for things, and then I yeah. realized, like, oh, I left this in the fridge. Yeah. One of the first- maybe, like, the second or third time I made a bachelor, and the first time I did it, I completely fucked it up. But the <laughs> second time I did it, I was with- all right, Alex in editing round two. Here we go. So we did not do a good job in this segment of keeping people's identities private. Um, so a lot of people's names are going to be bleeped. We will definitely work on just using identifiers that aren't people's names, or maybe we'll start doing like nicknames or like fun little epithets. I don't know if you think that we're talking about you or we're going to talk about you and you like want a certain nickname like let us know we'll use it the second time i did it i was with and i was like oh your milk can't be cold like it's gonna fuck it up so i like literally scalded my milk to make the special milk and then i was like oh no i have to do that every time because that was like the third time i made it and, and it came you out realize great. That. so now i always do that just out of that's so funny (laughs) so stupid oh my god that is so funny and then i did it at work once Mm -hmm. and like the recipe i was following at work didn't say to heat up the milk and i was like oh no am i gonna ruin it and then it was fine and i was like oh i'm just an idiot (laughs) yeah it's so funny how like rules often don't matter very often (laughs) yeah they really don't like it'll probably be fine no yeah throw it out I've also never used, like, Chinese cooking wine, which I should probably try using, but... Oh, do you want some? Do you have some? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it like? Um, I don't know, I just use it for marinating things sometimes. Interesting. It's interesting, right? I can't, I've, I can't tell what it tastes like really right now, but... Yeah. Do you also have cornstarch? Mm-hmm. When you said you wanted to make chicken pot pie, I was like thinking about things that go with that, and I was like, oh, green beans would be good, mm-hmm. because that's like a very classic thing. I feel like doing a pot pie and like green beans of some sort. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Like I feel like when you have a roast, you have like. And I like a pot pie for me is like in the same category of like a roast or something big that you would make as a main, and then you have like your mash. And your right, the mash. Some kind of oh, okay. Yes, you're totally yeah. right. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, so that's where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Is this not thick enough that I don't need to use oil, or should I put like a little bit of oil down? If you already had the oil in there, it should be totally fine. Yeah. Also, I've been debating this in my head. Do you mm-hmm. like green beans when they're like charred and like soft or mm. like a little bit crispy? That is the question of the century, my friend. Because I like them both ways, actually. Okay. Um, I haven't decided. What I like them best. both ways. 
for different reasons. Whenever I eat them, like, with more of, like, an Asian-style, like, seasoning, yeah. I always want them to be a little bit crispy because that's the way that my mom always made them. Mm -hmm. And, like, whenever I eat them in, like, a casserole, I'm like, it's fine if it's really soft. Because that's how white people eat them. They always have to treat them, like, really soft. I've been thinking about fermented black beans for a while because my parents cooked the same seven dishes. And one of those was a carrot and cauliflower stir-fry. Why carrots and cauliflower? I don't know. That's so specific. The th they always did carrots and cauliflower together. I love cauliflower. And then at one point, my mom decided she was going to start making a sauce from fermented black beans. Mm -hmm. But her idea of making a sauce from fermented black beans was throwing them into the pan and then adding some water and cornstarch. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I knew that they had a good flavor. Yeah. But... I didn't you know how to like, actually it. incorporate it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I think that would be good with green beans. Like, let me do some research. And it's pretty much the same as, like, a lot of different Chinese sauces are, like, you fry some garlic and ginger and pepper right. in oil, and then you add something. Right. So in this case, you just add the fermented green beans. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm doing a Thai red chili and Szechuan peppercorns and then the fermented black beans and ginger and garlic and you just like cook that all in oil and mm -hmm. then add like Chinese cooking wine or I do mirin sometimes and mm -hmm. water and cornstarch and then it thickens and there's more flavor in it than just fermented <laughs> black beans. So good. It's yeah. really good. I like how it's a little bit sour and like spicy. Mm -hmm. I think it pairs really well with the chicken pot pie. Because the chicken pot pie is more mild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely added vinegar. I feel like I don't cook anything without adding without a little vinegar. bit of some kind of vinegar. Honestly, most of the time, me too. Yeah. Or at least, like, if I'm making meat, I always like having something with vinegar, like, with it. Because I think it just, like, cuts through, like, every, like, richness. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, like, researching, looking up recipes and stuff. And apparently, like, traditional Chinese green beans, you would usually char them until mm -hmm. they're, like, so wilty that there are, like, crevices in the green beans from them wilting so much so that the sauce will, like, stick to that. Interesting. Because, yeah. like, my instinct, if you just told me all the ingredients, would be to, like, fry all the stuff in the oil and then add the green beans and then add water. Yeah. But if you do it, like, separately and, like, cook the green beans down a lot first, then they'll, like... That's so interesting. ...for the sauce. Yeah. Um, huh. So I'm, like, kind of doing that, because I want the green beans to be crispy still. Yeah, yeah. white people don't like vegetables is because they've never had a well-cooked vegetable because <laughs> they always just like steam everything and i'm like you don't have to eat all your vegetables steamed. yeah i agree i didn't realize that until i was older and then you know when people would tell me that they didn't like vegetables i'd be like well how have you eaten your vegetables and they would say steamed and i would say well there you go like i don't know what you expect <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it really... Oh, 
way that your parents cook can like really fuck you up for <laughs> the rest of your life. I know! I know! I thought Weird. I needed zucchini until I was like 20. Zucchini is such a great vegetable. It's so good. It's so good. Also zucchini oh my god. As you were talking about that, I realized my parents have never cooked green beans. I, like, never had green beans. Really? Until I started cooking them myself. Like, I'm sure I had them, like, at a restaurant somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But my parents never cooked them at home. And I don't really like green beans really? for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of them as, like, a fresh vegetable item. Because I never, like, oh. they were never in a fridge. And I never really yeah. And then they're... Like, kind of here all summer in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true elsewhere, too. Yeah. But the first time I saw them, I was like, oh, that's so weird. I never <laughs> thought about, like, fresh green beans. Because you, like, mostly thought about them, like, in a can? Yeah, in a can. Yeah. Like, in my head, it was, like, the thing that you buy in a can when you, like, don't want to cook a fresh vegetable. Right. Well, I think that's that that's actually really common because a lot of people de-string green beans where they, like, you know, uh, cut off the top and then they take the, like, seam off or whatever. Mm. And, like, a lot of people think that cutting off the ends is, like, too much work. And that's part of the reason why a lot of people like to buy them in cans. So it doesn't surprise me that you thought that because I actually had a lot of friends growing up that just, like, had never had a fresh green bean until they came to my house. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like a fresh green mm -hmm. bean. I think it's I one of the most them. underrated vegetables. So good. Yeah. I had them that first time, and then, like, I had green beans in my fridge, like, every week. For and the they last for so long, True. which is part of the reason why they're so great. I was thinking about trying to do something like creamy and like easy to eat mm -hmm. after eating a whole pot pie. <laughs> and I'm, I was like, I want to do something where I can elevate a flavor or like a combination that we know already. I have been making like really rich cornstarch pudding for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So I used to buy the like Belgian chocolate pudding from Trader Joe's. And then I was like, I'm spending too much money buying pudding. It's probably really easy to make. Yeah. And it is really easy to make. Like you pretty much just boil milk with sugar and flavor and cornstarch and yeah. then put it in the fridge. I was surprised at how easy and quick the process was. Cause I mean, you went out to your car to be able to get the keys out of your car. And then you were back in like 15 minutes and I was done with the pudding. Like I, and I even like strained it and everything in that time. Like that's crazy. This is okay. This is also how easy it is. I was in the middle of making pudding, but I like had just gotten to Grace's house. I locked my keys in my car, called AAA, and like they're always like, we're gonna be there in three hours, and then they showed up in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And I had like started making this pudding, like and I was caramel. like, okay, I have to go. Yeah. I think I also, now I can't leave because I started this. I can go if you want. Um, I mean, all they need is for somebody to stand there, right? They might need my ID. Oh. Can I tell you the process for this? Yeah, sure. What's when up? When it's like caramel-y. 
like mm -hmm. the way it's supposed to be. Like browner. Yeah. You take it off the heat and stir in this milk and then put it back on the heat. A like little bit at a time or just like all the at The whole once? thing, just like whisk it in it says. Alright, cool. And then you put it back on and then it says it's supposed to go like another six minutes and mm -hmm. then you whisk in the other one which is a cornstarch milk slurry. Okay, am I supposed to wait for a little bit before? I, I gave the recipe to Grace. I and then they over. made the pudding having never made this kind of pudding. Nothing. I've never before. made anything like that before. Yeah, yeah it's In insane how simple it is. And it's like delicious. Yeah. So. I burned it a little bit. We have to talk about that. <laughs> the elephant in the room, you know? <laughs> if you've never made caramel before, you yeah. just put sugar in a pot and then put the heat on and mm -hmm. leave it for like eight minutes. Yeah. And you like actually can't stir it because stirring it will fuck it up. Yeah, it'll which crystallize is it. Very bizarre. It's and, like, really weird. Yeah. I but. think that the most important thing to do is like wait until it gets to a certain level of color and then you can start to stir okay. it. Um, I could be wrong about that though. It's basically just very, very finicky and then there's like a point when it's like perfect and then like two seconds too late and then it's and then burnt. It's burnt. Yeah. <laughs> so you like really have to pay attention but also you have to spend like seven minutes just staring at it. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what's so funny is I was reading the recipe and the recipe was like, don't leave the room because the minute you leave the room that's when your caramel will burn. And I, as, it's like the minute you like don't look at it, right? It burns. And I was reading on my phone as it was saying that and I looked up and it was already dark and I was like, whoa! And I, and it went from being literally clear to being dark and I was like, holy shit! And that's when I was like, I fucked this up. <laughs> but I couldn't smell anything, so I couldn't tell. I just had COVID, everyone. I'm very COVID free now. It's been a few weeks. We're okay. But they have no sense of smell, so they don't yeah. know how the food tastes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this pudding, you make the caramel and then you just like stir in the milk, let it mm -hmm. heat up again for like another like six minutes-ish. Ten minutes, Was it even yeah. Ten minutes and then you stir in cornstarch and then you put it in the fridge. Yeah. It's crazy because like you let it simmer for ten minutes and then you like um, stir in the cornstarch for literally one minute. It thickens it so quickly. And then, yeah, you put it in the fridge and it's just done. It's wild. Yeah. It's so easy. And, like, imagine if you're trying to make, like, chocolate pudding. All you have to do is boil milk, stir in melted chocolate, and then add cornstarch and put it in the fridge. Does it taste as good as the yeah. Trader Joe's one? Yeah. Sick. I'm gonna have to try it. Because I really do like chocolate pudding. It's just not something I indulge in frequently. Because it feels like a waste to buy it. Even right. if you wouldn't make it. Right. Even like the cheap pudding is like kind of a waste to buy it. Yeah. yeah. So y'all should make pudding. but. <laughs> yeah, everybody should make their own pudding, but also buy this pudding that we're about to make. <laughs> so actually, editing Alex here. I started an audio recording right when I got to Grace's house. And then the entire time that they were making my pudding recipe and I was with a triple A employee trying to break into my car, the audio was recording. So there's like a 20 minute long segment that's like mostly just silence and then whisking of pudding. It's pretty great. So that's what you're hearing in the background here.
I'm gonna make multiple layers. Of course. I'm so excited. This is so much fun. I didn't know that this was a thing until I was like what, 17. Pups? Yeah. Really? Um, you never had like an Earth Day where like a mom made them or something like that? I think I vaguely knew about it, but like I hadn't fully thought about it. Yeah. Um, but I went, I toured Micah on my own. No way. Yeah. That was your introduction to it? <laughs> Not through my gut. Okay. I was in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Just like walking around. I was. All right, it's me back again. Your favorite. So Grace and I got sidetracked too many times here with me talking about this drama that I had with Micah and Baltimore and like other very dirt cup not related things. So I'm here in editing to tell you the story of how I learned what a jerk cup is and we're going to overlay it with the sound of Grace making pudding in their apartment alone and we're going to pretend that these two isolated things can come together in this audio moment. Okay, so I was touring Micah alone. I was in Baltimore for like a day and a half probably and I was just like walking around. I needed to find dinner. I was in a random place, didn't know anything, walked into a random like restaurant and bar. It was probably like 8 p.m. Um, had a great meal and then I was like, I want dessert. And the only dessert on the menu just said dirt and I had no idea what that was. I remember asking the server what that was and I'm sure the server was like, who the hell is this like child, 17 year old me, like half my head is shaved, eating dinner alone at 8 p.m. in Baltimore, doesn't know what a dirt cup is, like what an idiot. <laughs> but the server was very, very nice and explained to me what dirt was. I remember getting it and having like a bite and being like, oh my god, this is the most incredible thing I've ever had. Like why don't people know about this? And I texted my girlfriend at the time and was like, holy shit, dirt cups, fucking incredible. Why aren't we talking about this? This is so good. And she was like, yeah, obviously, of course, like everyone knows about this. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I was like so excited about it that she was with me maybe like two or three weeks after I moved into my first apartment and I like bought all of the things to make dirt cups with her because I was like, this is incredible. I need this again. And there were Oreo cookie crumbs in my cabinet for like years until I moved after that. This cookie recipe is from Tartine, which is a bakery that's in San Francisco that's, like, fairly well-known. Yeah. And my mom had, like, a real phase with Tartine. She's really into, oh, really? like, finding the best of something and being like, this is the best thing. And they, like, have, like, a very renowned croissant. So oh, we started going there to try the croissant. That makes sense. And, like, Tartine's great. I love Tartine. I'll go to Tartine yeah. when I'm back. But, like... It's probably, like, just good. Yeah. I don't know. But the croissant? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great, but, like, yeah, I have a lot of croissants. are pretty good. I've had a lot of pretty good croissants. I feel like there's nowhere in Chicago to get a good croissant also. I agree with that. Can we talk about how there's nowhere in Chicago to get a good fucking bagel? That needs to change. Okay. Have you had Kaufman's and have you had New York Bagel and Bialy?
Okay, editing Alex here. So, Grace and I are about to go into a very, very, very long tangent talking about bagels and where to get bagels in Chicago and good bagels. And then we start talking about Montreal, a bunch of different places, a bunch of different food everywhere. So, I'm going to spare you. It's a very, very not relevant tangent. There are some relevant tangents, which is about where I'm going to throw you back in right now. Dude, I want to go to Toronto so badly. Toronto. They've got amazing Korean food. Oh, yeah. In Toronto and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. They have, like, incredible Korean food. That makes sense. Why did we start talking about bagels? I'm talking about croissants. <laughs> we're talking about tartine. Yes. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> Tell us where to get a croissant. Um, yeah. But... God, my mind is really stuck on bagels. <laughs> I'm just like, bagel, 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 bagel. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, okay. So then my mom got into this whole thing where I'm like eating a Swedish fish as I'm talking. <laughs> it's okay. Um, she got into like looking up tartine recipes online and making them because she was like, tartine is the best of the best. Like, I'm going to make their recipes. <laughs> right. I think she started her sourdough thing Through because tartine. of tartine. Um, I think she like looked up other things online, but she like got interested in it because of tartine. Okay. My mom made her own sourdough starter, and her like whole thing now is making sourdough things. That's like all she does. <laughs> You're like no, seriously, that's all she does. And my dad doesn't like sour bread or crusty bread. <laughs> Or crusty bread? Like, mm-hmm. he prefers, like, sliced bread? He just doesn't like the crust to be too hard. So my mom has perfected her sourdough to not be overly sour and to have not too hard of a crust. And, like, I'll go home and she'll be like, how's my sourdough? And I'll be like, it's not very sour and the crust isn't very hard. And she'll be like, oh, that's what you're she's like, like. She's like, oh, well, then it's perfect. Dude, the crust has to be chewy. That's, like, the best part of, like, (laughs) making bread at home. Yeah. (laughs) Well, your dad is missing out. That's all I'm going to say. He really is. But I'm just very entertained by the fact that, like, his wife has devoted her life to sourdough bread. and He doesn't even really like sourdough. (laughs) And she makes it just palatable enough for him. (laughs) That's fucked up. um, She started making like Indian pav rolls, which are like a potato bread. Um, The closest thing I could compare it to is like a Hawaiian roll, but there's potato in the dough. And at some point we're going to make pav bhaji, which is kind of like a mushy vegetable stew with spices that goes on this bread with like a lot of butter. It's like my favorite like South Indian street food thing. Yeah, that sounds so good. But... My dad sent me a photo once, and he was like, I made bhaji, and your mom made pav, and he put pav in quotes. <laughs> because, she, because she didn't actually make because it. Because it's sourdough and whole Oh my god! Wheat. She made it with sourdough? With sourdough and That's wild! So, okay. I think that what it was is I wanted to make a double chocolate cookie, and I mentioned it to my mom, and she was like oh, I used this tartine recipe that I found online. And it's actually such a good recipe. Like, I feel like usually when I find a cookie recipe online, I'll alter it a little bit after I make it the first time. This recipe is pretty much perfect. And it's like, 
so intensely chocolatey. There's melted chocolate in it and cocoa it's powder. It's so delicious. It's so good. Yeah, I make this recipe all the time. And I was like, I just want like a really rich cookie, a really toffee pudding. And then I was like, a little bit of espresso because tip, if you're making anything with chocolate, adding like a little bit of instant coffee into it will make it so much better. In this case, a lot of instant coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but you can just like whisk it into the liquid of whatever you're baking. I think one of my family friends used to like for brunch make like a little parfait thing so uh -huh. you could like go and make your own parfait. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, and now I'm like starting to have memories of doing it. I'm like making mine like really pretty for no reason. <laughs> oh my god, it looks so good, Alex. I'm so excited. Wait, are you gonna put pieces of the cookie too? Yeah. Okay. Dude, that looks so good! Oh my god, so hell excited. yes. Should we make it a kit? Should we let people do this at home? <laughs> we can make a little fish go swimming in our dirt. Oh my god. Which kind is this? I'm just like, I never thought about Swedish fish being different flavors. True. This one is raspberry mango. <laughs> Let's see. Please, feel free to take a fish. Okay. What are the flavors? They have a lot of different kinds. I kind of want to try watermelon. I feel like I won't like it. See, I don't like watermelon the fruit. What? What? <laughs> Dude, there's nothing like a good watermelon. Okay, slightly confusing here because we are also eating these double-flavored Swedish fish that we found at Walgreens. But this audio is from me taking my first bite of the dirt cup. That's exactly what I wanted that to taste like. This? Mm -hmm. I know. It's wow. really good. I did it. Dude, you did a really good job. It's so good. <laughs> you made the main thing. Well, <laughs> you gave me the recipe and you knew the combination. It's so delicious. It's like extreme gourmet dirt cup. Like very good. Oh, I'm so happy with that. Mm. I kind of love how burnt caramel tastes anyway. <laughs> I kind of like it. One time I made caramel. My thought is like, people have to somehow heat up this food. I always mm -hmm. like to have a snack around when I'm cooking. We should do like a cooking snack, which is where the like ricotta pickled vegetable thing came in. Yes. Should we still do that? Yes, we should. Okay. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it'd be really cute to always make like one little like appetizer that like they don't have to heat up. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna do, hopefully it works out at the time that we're talking about this. I yeah. haven't tried it yet, but we're gonna <laughs> dehydrate some pickled vegetables, probably pickled beets. Yeah. And hopefully they taste good. Yeah, hopefully they'll be, they'll taste good and be a good texture. I'm so excited. I know, also, me too. Also, like, the whipped ricotta gets so, like, soft. Mm. That's my favorite thing. I'm so excited. Okay, editing Alex here. I'm actually working on this podcast after we cooked the first round 
due to lots of technical issues with SD cards. Um, but the ricotta turned out really delicious. I used vinegar from habaneros that I pickled in can over the summer, and you like really get the fullness of those. Um, but the pickled beets weren't what I was expecting. I don't think they're terrible, but they were not what I was going for, and I definitely want to try them again. So maybe we'll see that again. Let us know if you want to eat that dish. Also, if you're not snacking while you're cooking, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This Today was the first day that I haven't snacked while I've cooked in such a long I time. I thought about that, too. I, I couldn't yeah. find something in my house to bring, and I almost brought a can of Pringles because that was all I had. You could have brought the like, can of Pringles. <laughs> they're the Buffalo Ranch Pringles. They're so good. Wait, Buffalo, like, Buffalo sauce? Yes. They make those? Yes. Dude, I mix, like, hot sauce with my ranch to make it taste like that. <laughs> of course. And dip, like, random, like, chicken nuggets in of them course. or something like that. Dude, <laughs> I need to try it. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Egg Backwards. We're so, so excited about this, and we promise that we're going to get better at all of this and talking yes. about cooking, and, like, hopefully you can tell how excited we are mm -hmm. from this episode. Um, and thank you so much for letting us feed you. If you ever have any questions about, like, literally anything, feel free to DM us or email yes. us, or if you go to our podcast on Anchor which is anchor.fm slash eggbackwards. You can submit an audio question. So if you like really want us to talk about your question on this audio segment, maybe we'll play your question. Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah. Well, we're really excited that you're on this journey with us. And next week, we are going to specifically talk about why we're called Egg Backwards and the inspiration behind that. So definitely yes. listen if you want to know. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Egg spelled backwards. <laughs>